one can of coke and it's not diet set. Fuck this teak enamel. Right, roll on, mate. Ready when you are, mate. <laughs> Love it. Simo and Redman are the thong slappers. They're two blokes making lots of noise but getting nowhere fast. G'day, Redman. Welcome to episode 16 of the Thong Slappers. I've got to say, mate, I'm pretty excited by today. Hey, g'day, Simon. I'm as busy as a long-tailed cat in a rocking chair shop. Oh, you fucked me already. I'm just trying to think about that. Oh, man, you'd be pretty busy, wouldn't you? Yeah. You know what I'm excited about? Oh, look, I'm retarded, man. Sorry. I, I, I get that now because I'm just imagining a cat walking around with its tail between all the chairs. Is that what I'm supposed to be doing here? Yep, God, I feel like Steady Eddie sometimes. I'm sorry. I've got another couple of good ones. We'll try a couple and we'll see what works. You ready? You count me in three, two, one. Ah, uh, Simon, mate, to be honest, you just caught me having a nap. I've got a head like a robber's dog. Oh, well, oh, I don't know, mate. You're not that bad. You no. know, you give me give me half a... I'm not going to say that, but this is not true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's good, mate. I'm glad you had a bit of a nap. But, um, yeah, have you got, like, at least you still get bed here. At least you've got hair to actually get bed hair. I haven't had bed hair for about five years now. Not since my 40th birthday. Oh, man, but like we said, we've, we've touched on this before. My fucking hair is red. It's like, eh, it's not fair. It's yeah. uh, you know, If somebody's going to argue, it's probably a fucking redhead. I was listening to the radio one day, and the trivia comes on. It goes, oh, you know, who was the famous general in World War Two? Then the second question was, I get into arguments easy. What colour is my hair? And I thought, I'm going to ring that fucking radio station up. Yeah, yeah, well, that's kind of it. It's just like ginger cats, mate. They're always a pain in the ass, you know. Not saying you're a pain in the hey, ass. What the fuck did you just say? <laughs> hey, just on that hair thing, I guess I do kind of get bed hair, like ass crack hair. You know, have you ever seen those things like years ago, people would get those, you know, they'd get those wooden presses, like flower presses, and they'd put flowers in and, and wind these presses up, and then like a month later, you take them out and the flowers are dead flat. I kind of get like pressed like flower ass hair especially if you're sleeping on your side or something have you ever had that on behalf of all our listeners on behalf of itunes on behalf of everybody i am fucking censoring your ass hair talk hey cracking on from that pardon the pun i want to get into talking about straight away i just want to give you some feedback on a couple of our episodes from our hashtag moot thong slapper listeners first up we were talking about Datsun 200Bs. Uh, that was me and Benny back in episode 14. My workmate Macca, he said, oh, hey, geez, I had a good laugh about the 200B with a faded tail light you guys are talking about. He goes, it's so true. And he told me the story about how his mum bought a 200B automatic brand new, right? Yep. And he said, the car had a tow bar on the back. And remember the old days when a tow bar, you'd see that the actual tow bar wiring on some cars, they'd actually use like a 240 volt wall plug. Yeah. You know, like the round ones they used to have with a round, they kind of protruded from the wall. He said this thing, like the tow bar wiring on the 200B, was actually two of those on the back, right? <laughs> he said, he goes, oh, he goes, I was so fucked one day. He goes, me and my mate, we wanted to listen to the stereo out in the driveway. And he goes, I plugged the stereo into the back of the car, onto the rear pan where those stupid plugs were. And he goes, I couldn't work out why the stereo wouldn't work. And I, man... I just about had a crash driving when he's telling me because my eyes glazed over with tears of laughter. But, yeah, so that's pretty cool. I really hope he can find a photo of that car so we can sort of explain to people what it was. But it literally was sitting or the actual, you know, receptor sitting in the back pan of the car, which I thought was pretty cool. But anyway. I've never actually met Macca. 
you've introduced me to him on text. And what I love to do, you know how annoying I can be, at 10 to 9 nearly every day, I send him a photo of my smoker. It can be like a, a curry crumb steak sandwich. <laughs> every time, and he just writes back, fuck, I love it. That's what, one of the texts. I love teasing just before smoker. Eh? <laughs> well, see, the thing is, Macca loves his tucker. That's why he loves his tucker. And that's why you've got just the prime audience for doing that too. I sent him a video of me putting chicken salt on hot chips there at about 10 to 9 one day with a nice cold can of Coke and he writes back, I fucking hope your asshole festers. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, we'll be sitting at work doing something and I'll just hear this. Cut. I'll turn around and he'll show me, he'll just show me the screen and it's a photo of whatever food you've been sending him. So, yeah, it's definitely hitting a spot. I don't even enjoy my smoker as much as I enjoy teasing Macca. So a big hello to Macca. And sorry, one day, Macca, when you come up here, I'll buy you, well, I'll buy you a steak sandwich. Maybe maybe we'll get Subway and I'll get you a salad sandwich and a nice bottle of water. <laughs> He'll say no to that. That bottle will end up up your ass, moving your ass here. Passes for a date in Townsville. Well, I guess so. Hey, um, I just want to mention another bit of feedback we got on iTunes. So if by chance you do download the Thong Slappers podcast from iTunes, please do us a favor and give us a five-star review That'd be or five-star rating. And feel free to drop us a review. And this is a good one we got from Hardtail Holdout. I'll just read this for you. This is about our podcast. A refreshing change to all the overseas podcasts and a gentle reminder of just how bogan we all are. <laughs> it also made me buy a Toblerone and a Street Machine magazine while filling up my panel van's petrol tank at the local Shell Servo. I was put off the pie, though, because it looked tough. So thanks very much. That's a good bit of feedback there. We like a bit of feedback. Get hold of him, Simon. I'll send him two old Street Machine magazines. He's got to have two. That's what we've been doing. You, you send me his details. I'm sending him two old Street Machines from about 97, please. Okay, hard to hold out. You've got that. Please message us on Instagram at the Thong Slappers, or you can email us thongslappers at optusnet.com.au and we'll flick you a couple of mags in the post, so that'd be awesome. So yeah, if you don't mind, get onto Instagram, give us a rating, give us a review. Just tell us what you think of the show. And um, we, I guess the other thing too is thanking everyone for their contributions. We're getting some fantastic old school burnout photos. And I don't care if it's a friggin' 120Y with a single peg us smoking the tyres, Anything like that, we love it. Yeah, anything that's old school, sort of back when you could just be having a fun streetcar doing burnouts and doing whatever you're doing. So we'll always post that stuff. If by chance you tag us on Instagram too, sometimes we don't always get to see it. That's where probably direct messaging us uh, is a bit better. But anyway, look, we try and get through everything as we can. So we appreciate that. I've got a review, sorry, I've got a review here that came through my, my email. And it's from uh, James Hetfield at killemall.com. I don't know who that is, but it's, um, <laughs> hey guys, just listen to the podcast. What is that fantastic rift at the start of your theme song? So, uh, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Yeah, go for it, mate. You're the uh, one who created it, so yeah, that's well, your that, venue. We do everything here ourselves. Simon paints his own cars, um, we do all that stuff, but uh, that rift at the start of our song, we decided we wanted something really catchy, and that would be ours, and so that is actually um, me on guitar. That's right. Yeah. I remember the video. At least yeah. you had clothes on on that one too. Thanks, James Hetfield, for your uh, your email. But uh, right, so email. Let's roll. Yeah, can I just say, James? Yeah, we don't mind your stuff either. So yeah, thanks very much. We appreciate it. You know, anything we can give back in kind is always a good thing. So that's I don't the know. It's the real James Hetfield, but we'll take it. Yeah. All right. Hey, good enough for me.
Look, I always get a little bit excited when we delve into the past, which is pretty much what we do here on Thong Slappers, so it's pretty safe to say I get excited every episode. But one thing that really excites me about 1983 is just so much action happened in all the stuff we love, like whether it be Australiana, whether it be popular culture, you know, as in music TVs. Also, Cars was, of course, a big thing, and seeing that's what the show's based on. But I guess to kick off... I just want to run us through some 1983 stuff, just to, you know, get you sort of a bit lubed up for what we're going to be talking about. You're probably lubed up already, actually. Well, always, but anyway, in the mind. I always get excited when you say delve into. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Well, listen, first of all, Bob Hawke was our Prime Minister. Now, Andrew Peacock was the uh, opposition leader. So, of course, we had the two birds. That was always the big popular thing. We had the two birds in Parliament. Now, Bob Hawke famously was there pictured wearing that Australia jacket. And I always love the story. That Australia jacket, he actually kind of borrowed that permanently off a couple of students who were actually in the... um, in the like the audience where he was sort of you know stationed at the time, and you'll always remember we talked about this in episode 15. Bob Hawke with his famous declaration: "Any boss who sacks a worker for not turning up today is a bum." Like the partying that went on after Australia won the America's Cup, I can always remember as a kid in the Gap. Like I was like you know nearly 10. My neighbours across the road had a party, and it started like the actual day when the America's Cup was won. It went for like three or four days. The party was unbelievable. I remember I didn't see my dad for like three days. He was just over there having a great time. But it was just funny how much it changed the, you know, the people, everyone got into it. Like it was a really popular time. And Bob Hawke, you imagine now, you just wouldn't have a prime minister do that. Just just being like Australian like that, that'd be too scared and too weak about insulting someone or, you know, wearing the wrong colour or saying the wrong thing or, you know, saying, oh, look, he said the word bum, so he must be having got people who don't have a good bum or whatever the case. Kind of like Paul Burt Newton on the Logies when he's getting acknowledged for his work with the Australian industry, he referred to himself as an old poof and that just started such drama for him, you know? You kind of got to feel sorry for him. You just can't say anything without getting in trouble these days. Yeah, it's just the do-gooders, the uprighters, whatever, standing there, just ready to take the piss out of somebody. Instead of going, Burton, it's quite fucking piss funny. And the whole thing was funny. It's like the whole the whole issue that he wrote about um, Graham Kennedy. If Graham Kennedy was interviewing somebody and he was actually banging them, it was probably everybody had a good time. They're probably adults or whatever. But um, I remember when Australia won the America's Cup, I was getting ready for school and mum was doing the ironing. And in Bathurst, obviously, it's fairly cold. And I kept, yeah. I kept, I kept telling Deb, I was that tough when I was yeah, 10 years old. I was pretty tough. I was that tough. Mum used to iron my school shirts while I was wearing them, eh? <laughs> Did you drink cordial straight from the bottle as well? Fucking so, yeah. So, honestly, um, I'm, I still remember it. I was sitting there, Mum goes, look, mate, look at this. This is this is some good stuff. Eh? And they, they did win it. Ben Laxon, of course, with the Alexon Commodore. and stuff That's exactly on. right. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Like, it, the, the, the Commodore was named after him. I was in the, the Lexan version, the Toyota version. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Turning of the tide from, um, you know, being quite a patriot. I mean, back in them days, stuff like Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA and stuff, was quite patriotic, whereas I don't think Australia had that we were still a bit colonial, still a bit, we felt a bit undergun. And when that happened, everybody felt like, yeah, okay, well, fuck it, that's an Australian flag, you know, and that's, it did turn, I don't want to get bogged down, but that, that was, the, the for me, the turning of the tide a bit, eh? Well, look, I mean, Men at Work's Down Under, that song which had oh, been yeah. such a huge hit when, of course, we won the um, America's Cup, 
that song was actually released, released a couple of years earlier, so it just became the massive tune, like the theme tune for that event. I mean, really, the New York Yacht Club, they'd had that trophy sewn up for 132 years. Like They'd dominated that event. I always remember there was all this drama surrounding the actual wind keel and, you know, complaints coming in from the Americans and this and that. And I remember the boat being winched out and having to reveal they took the tarps off and actually revealing that keel. And people, you know, that was before they actually won, but people trying to do dodgy wing keels and stuff on their own boats to catch up to what the Aussies had done as well. Didn't we take the piss? Didn't we tell them, uh, show them something false to start with? I'm sure that's... Didn't we? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I think we did. No, we did. They said, oh, this is what we're using, and it was the wrong thing. I'll have to, I'll have to check into that. But do you know the first line in that, men, uh, I come from a land down under, it's pretty fucking funny. Not off the top of my head. I'm just trying to think of it now. How does it go? Travelling in a fried-out combi. Oh, of course, yeah. On a, on a hippie trail head full of zombie. It's it's, yeah. it's reference to a V-dub combi and fucking heroin. Get <laughs> 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 the uh, the Indian heroin of the day or whatever. So, like, I actually entered a, a trivia contest once, and that was one of the questions. You know, what's the first line in uh, Come From a Land Down Under? I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. That's it. Now you've actually said it. I can think it, and I'm going to have that song stuck in my head. I've got that flute noise going on now in the background, so you know, I'll try the, not to hum that. You know what happened with that uh, flute sound in the background? You obviously are aware of, of the uh, litigation and stuff behind that. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, the legal matter that happened, yeah. And, you know, look, I actually heard a really interesting interview with Colin Hay, who, of course, was the front man for Men at Work, and he said that, you know, Greg Ham, who was the guy... In the clip, he was, of course, was a big member of Men at Work. He actually um, sadly took his own life. And in this interview I, I heard with Colin Hay, he was saying that that litigation, that whole process, and just it, it just destroyed him. It just destroyed him, as in Greg Ham, you know, because it, it was so incorrect. What that actually, um, what was they saying? It was based on waltzing Matilda or something? Or there yep. was some sort of um, other influence that was supposed to have been taken from? And it just, he said, it just devastated him. So. Make- they left it a lot of years to make an issue out of it, didn't they? The, but the guy that wrote the song originally, uh, that wrote that riff, that riff that um, the the intro to it. Yeah, he just kind of said the solicitors ran with it. As soon as they got a taste of it, they ran with it. So they're saying to him, "Look, we can get you hundred k. We can get." He's a fucking school teacher. We can get you a yeah. hundred. Hey, we can get you two hundred k. We can get you three hundred k. And he's like, "Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, you know, whatever. Mm. You know, and do it. It's the fucking." Music, Bob Dylan's got the greatest thing. Uh, Bob Dylan, he says, anybody that wants to use my music, anybody, I've, and he's saying, I've only ever fucking copied music off people and changed it. That's what music is. It's a circular song. He's really yeah. good with it. And he's saying he'll never sue anybody. It's a bit off, bit off uh, topic here, but yeah. It's, um, well, it is yeah, and it isn't. Like, that, that's, that's very old school, but it leads us into music anyway. I mean... Of course, Countdown was massive, a massive show. We used to watch it every Sunday night. But as far as, I guess, musicians go, one of my favourite songs from 1983 is Blue Monday from New Order. I've always loved that ever since being a kid. My sister used to play that. And having an older sister who was more in tune with what was happening, it sort of wasn't hard to, I guess, get on her coattails as far as what music was cool to listen to. But David Bowie had a massive year in 83. Men at Work, of course, as we're talking about with Down Under, they had Overkill was a massive hit for them then too. But probably my favourite from 1983 was Reckless by Australian Crawl. You know, I'm watching when it was released on Countdown, and the, as in the film clip, and it had that, um, 
Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, the Thunderbird. That's what the car was with the sequential indicators flashing. And I just remember looking at that thinking, cool. Like, how cool is that? The sequential indicators were awesome. But, yeah, it was, you know, look, I think it was such a fantastic time for Australian music, that whole early 80s era as well. I mean, In Excess were going great guns by then. They got signed, of course, in 82 with uh, Shabu Shabar. They didn't actually release anything in 83, but they came back in 84 with The Swing, which was, of course, a massive album. And also Ice House, they actually had 83 off too and, and released in 84. But, you know, their songs and those bands were making serious inroads by that stage for sure. We spoke about New Order before, didn't we? Blue Monday, New Order. Isn't that um, Joy Division without Ian Curtis? I couldn't... Yeah, yeah, that's you know, right. Yeah. 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 Sadly, yeah, he, he took his own life as well. But um, another thing, who had 1983 off? You said In Excess had 1983 off? Yes, and Ice House, yep. Well, so did, um, so did the Stingray Corvette. Did you know that? No, really? Yeah, you can get an 82 Corvette, you can get an 84 Corvette, but you can't get an 83 Corvette. There was some drama went on there, bits and pieces. So, 1983, and then, of course, you get the, you know, you get the bits and pieces. Oh, this thing is, is uh, plated 83, whatever, you know. It's a cor- yeah, but basically, there's no 83 Stingray Corvette, which is one of my favourite cars. I fucking love the Stingray, mate. Hey, if they were going to call on you to do a 1983 Corvette, just say, look, Redmond, we can't make any ourselves between, you know, we'll come back in 84. If you were given free reign to do an 83 Corvette, just quickly, what would you do? How would you do it? Triple red, 350 triple red, right? So to have the red interior, the red carpet, the red hood, hood lining. A three- I thought you better say, sorry, I thought you were about to say hooker, not hood lining. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, but um, the, the triple red, it's such a, I love the triple red Corvette, so you got... The red interior, the red carpet, the red hood lining, so the whole interior is in the three fifty. You can get a yeah. big block, whatever. Fuck that. Let's just call let's call this it's Redmond's car, something that I could fucking probably get. You got the what is it, the Dana ten in the back, the T top. Ah, sweet. Yeah. And what That's... sort of wheels are you gonna put on it? I'm probably gonna put some well will you pick some wheels for me. Oh listen, you know, I think for that era, a big ass set of jelly beans. Like you know, 1410s front and rear to fill up those guards and have them, like, bridged by a massive set of side pipes, kind of like the, like the late 60s do, you know, where they have the big set of fat side pipes. I reckon that would be perfect. Absolutely love uh, our Stingrays, mate. They are, they're just perfect cars. There's nothing, you know, the big block. See Bruce Springsteen's block, black one of his. He's got the, what's the early one, the 64 or whatever? Yeah, the 63 was a split window as in, like, the coupe shape. But, yeah, 64, yeah. yeah. Locking the four-speed and stuff, man. I fucking rate them, eh? Yeah, no, that's the go. Hey, a cool thing, too, with music for 1983 was, I clearly remember, I've actually still got the album here. My favourite album for 1983 was a compilation called 1983, The Hot Ones, right? <laughs> and, you know, they used to have those cool compilations like yep. 1984 with a wave and all this hey. sort of dumb stuff. But this 1983, hey, The Yeah. <laughs> This 1983, The Hot Ones, I can remember as a kid, we used to do roller skating for school and also, like, on Saturdays, and we'd go to the Red Hill Skate Rink, which got burnt down mysteriously many years ago. We'd go there and, and do all the roller skating, and I remember they used to play the album over and over. It had cool stuff like White Wedding from Billy Idol, Don't Pay the Ferryman, Krista Berg, that Shoop Shoop Diddy Wop Come and Come a Wang Dang song, the big one-hit wonder. Our House, see, I love Madness, and Our House was on that on that album too, and Thomas Dolby, She Blinded Me With Science. Is this one of those albums that has so many cool songs, like Too Shy by Kajagoogoo, and I don't know. I still listen to that now, Stepping Out by Joe Jackson. 
doesn't get much better than that. Well, them four songs you just named, I'm losing my shit. Just wow, I just can't even come on like uh, Billy Idol, White Wedding, and Shoot Shoot. I'm just wow, man. That's a pretty good album to have all in one, isn't it? Oh, look, if, you can still get it on eBay and stuff like that. And when I tell you Captain Sensible's what, remember that? I said Captain. I said what? Remember that song? Is this? Oh, it's one of those albums, a rare album that you can listen to both sides. And you love every song. You know, it's kind of, of that favorite, type of thing. One of my favourite songs, it's not from 83, but I keep rapping on, I keep pulling back out in the workshops and guys love it, is Dance If You Want To, You Can Leave Our Friends Behind. Ah, remember that hat? The safety dance, of course. That's it, you got it. You can dance if you want to, you can leave your friend because friends don't dance, and if they don't dance well. They're no friend of mine. That's it, that's exactly yeah, that. hey. you the ending to that. <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of roller skating on the spot while we were talking about it as well. I guess cool food-wise, Wagon Wheels, Chiquitos, and Aero Bars. The Aero Bar got released in 83, which is you know, know. still on the shelves now. You are a chocolate freak, man. That's not normal. Oh, wait till we do like 1985 when they released M&Ms. I still I fucking like addicted to those things. I remember my mum bought home a pack of M&Ms and she said, oh, just try these new things. I'm like, ah, oh, I really wanted like a Chiquito. But she brought me home this pack of M&Ms and it was like it was like a heroin starter pack. I just had like two M&Ms and I've been hooked ever since. But um, also ice cream wise, Flash Gordon's. They were on ice cream around then, and also Funny Feet, which was, of course, chocolate or banana. They actually look like a foot. Do you remember Funny Feet? I do remember Funny Feet and Bubble Bills. Yeah, exactly. All that stuff. And, you know, a lot of it is still available today, which is good, and Spearmint Choc Wedges and all that other cool stuff. But, you know, I think this is probably going to devastate you a little bit when we talk about 1983 television, but I'm going to do it anyway. And, look, I'm not trying to upset you. 1983 was a massive year of change in Australian screens for television. Are you kind of bracing yourself? You need to be sitting down for this one. Are you ready? Okay. Yep, sitting down there. Yep. All right. It was the last episode of the Don Lane show was aired in 1983. And while we're on that whole last of thing, the last episode of the Sullivans, that got Axe, and also the Young Doctors in 1983. But to make things better, to make up for that kind of stuff happening... The first episodes of Danger Mouse and Metal Mickey were screened on ABC, which I used to watch both of those after school. And probably the thing you're going to enjoy the most, Peter Russell Clark, Come and Get It, debuted in 1983 on Channel 2. Come and get it with Peter G'day. Russell Clark. G'day. G'day. I love that. I love that guy. I love the Sull- uh, Sullivans too. Kitty was a piece of art, so... Yeah, not so much these days, but I guess back then she did all right. Speaking of pieces of ass, did you ever watch TJ Hooker? That's that show started in '83 yes. with Heather Locklear. Look, if you know, if you didn't get like a a schoolboy stiffy from Heather Locklear, then there was something seriously wrong with you. So about Tommy Lee, he touched Heather Locklear, and Heather Locklear fucking belongs to me. <laughs> Hey, also, too, now, I know that you're an Erin Moran fan. Joni Loves Chochi, the spin-off from Happy Days, started in 83, as well as He-Man and Masters of the Universe. Okay, talking about He-Man, what's uh, He-Man's actual name? Oh, I wouldn't have a clue. Sorry. I was too busy what? checking out Shearer, Princess of Power. No, no, that's his sister, you sicko. Is it his sister? I thought it was his missus. Oh, man, you got to sort this shit out. <laughs> Man, he no, man, he's gonna he's gonna fucking set his tiger on me if I'm checking out his sister. But anyway, well, you know what his name is. Let me tell you, Prince Adam. 
course, yeah, no, that makes sense. Now I can remember that. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> so what are you trying to say? You're He-Man when you get angry. Just He-Man all the time. That was um, <laughs> some good time for television. Uh, Journey loves Chachi. That was absolute crap. I remember. Oh, yeah, it was crap. Yes, sir. Yes, it Did was. She, unfortunately, she passed away recently, uh, didn't she? Yeah, Erin Moran. Yeah, she did, sadly. But um, probably my favourite show from 1983, and a show to which this day, I believe, still has probably one of the best, if not the best, theme tunes, Simon and Simon. You remember that show? Yeah. Oh, I don't oh. know. Play the theme song for us. Ready? Go. All right, hang on. See what I mean? It's so catchy that'll be in your head for the rest of the rest of your days now. Yeah, yeah. The problem is with Simon. Everybody's name is fucking Simon lately. If you got any of the emails I've sent you about my work, or there's there's Simon Major, there's Simon Telford, there's Simon, this guy from work from HR, I'm trying to deal with. So if you get some midnight photos of my cock, I'm actually trying to email HR department, not you. Yeah, okay. Well, that'll be a nice change then. That they're not actually directed at me. So they yeah. just up there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking to just on Australian shows, right? Um, I don't know if you know this show. It's, it's not very commonly known. Kings. It was a TV show, like an Australian series that only ran for probably you know one or two seasons. It was about a working class family in Sydney who owned a panel shop. It was a pretty cool show. It had like a pretty good cast and. Like, the good thing was they had, like, all these sons and, you know, especially being panel bees and the rest of it, they had pretty cool tow trucks, like, based on one-tonners. So every episode you have the odd burnout or someone revving up doing something dumb, but they were kind of all hoons. But it didn't last very long, and it's been one of these shows I've really struggled to try and get copies of it as far as to watch, like, on YouTube or anything else. It's very difficult to find any, I guess, video action from... Uh, Kings, as is a TV show called Home that used to be on Channel 2 as well about, um, you know, like kids who are orphaned and, and or in foster care. That was another great show, but it's also something you just don't see. You know, it's very difficult to find any video, like copies of, of that original video, which is kind of a shame. I don't know, I watch much television, but something that I really like from the 80s, not 83, but is Country Practice. I mean, I love that show. And I don't watch television. I don't watch much. It really got me hooked out of are you serious? Or are you just like trying to be sarcastic because I can't see your reaction at the moment? Joe loved a man. I'm like, rah, rah, rah. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. Like, man. I've oh. oh, got to pop the riders over that. They killed a the fucking <laughs> <asshole>. <laughs> Look, Esme, she did it for me. It's just because she drove an HK Premier. That's all. It's funny, you know. Mate of mine, Biff, he's had an HK for years. It's got a pretty tough small box Chevy in it, and his car's bad Esme. And that was named after Esme Watson driving one in the country practice, but his is like the tough version, so we've always called it bad Esme. <laughs> hey, I've got a question for you. Yes? 1983. The hot ones? No. Nope. Okay. By the power vested in fiction, what would your vice versa be? What would you bring back, and what would you take back? This is going to tie in with a couple of things. As far as what I'd bring back to 2018 from 1983, I think I'm going to have to go with the Flash Gordon ice creams. 
I just like buy boxes and boxes of those things and bring them back. They weren't on the shelves for very long. So if I could bring them back to the future and still have them in good condition, like, you know, like the use-by date's not going to matter, I'd probably bring back boxes of those things. Plus run a couple of Yumbos for good measure, just because I can. But going the other way now, briefly mentioned in episode 15 something that I did in 983 that I've kind of always, it's not haunted me, but it's sort of always something that's been in the back of my mind. Something I did which was pretty terrible. And um, I think if I could go back and change something, I probably wouldn't do this, right, the way I did. Tell me. (laughs) All right. So it's 983. I'm 10 years old. You know, I was old enough to know how to do things, but too young to really appreciate the ramifications of what I might be doing. So I went to school with this kid. I'd been to school with this kid. He'd come to my primary school probably in about grade two or three. So I'd been there for a few years. And this guy used to bully me, mate, like to no end. He was like a bigger kid, bigger kind of tubby kid. In my class, he was in all my classes. And he, you know, type of thing, he'd trip me over. He'd like just push me on my face or he'd push me into a pile or whatever. And because I had like really white hair, like snow white hair, he'd call me. Now, just when I say this name, okay, just listen to how I'm saying it. Shmoo. Right? Not Smoo, Shmoo, because there was a cartoon character back then called Shmoo, which was like this funny-looking white blob thing, but it was really white, and I had really white hair and kind of light skin. Or he'd call me Casper, like Casper the Friendly Ghost. So, anyway, this one particular afternoon, I just got sick to death of him teasing me. So what I did was... I was pretty handy with tools. Like, you know, I knew my way. Like, my dad was teaching me how to pull stuff apart. Like, I'd strip and rebuild my bike over a weekend or whatever, no problem. So I was pretty, by that age, pretty handy with doing stuff. So I took a shift at a school, and I snuck out to the bike rack. So I actually loosened off his front wheel nuts of his push bike, thinking, oh, he'll just have a stack, and that'll be kind of it. Right? Yeah. So anyway, I've snuck out. I've done that. And when the bell rang... I, I like hauled ass out of the classroom because I wanted to make sure that I was ahead of him, right? Because I had this plan up my sleeve. And you know, like the thing is, I knew what I was doing. Like I knew that I knew, as in I knew how to use the tools. Like my mum, she had a Sigma and she'd come downstairs to go out somewhere. I'd have all the indicators out of it, all the trim rings would be off it, the gorilla would be out. I would, I'd just start pulling shit apart. And she'd come down and be like, what the hell are you doing, you know? So I kind of knew what I was doing with the bike, but just not appreciate the ramifications. So... I loosened off his wheel nuts, jumped on my own BMX bike, raced further up the road, and as he's gone past, I've gone, hey, such and such, I can't really say his name, hey, such and such, I said, do a mono, and he's turned around, he's gone, eh, I can mono better than you, Casper, like this, anyway, of course, he's got his school bag on his back, he's pulled up the handlebars, like, and he, he had one of those bikes, you know, like when it was a drag set, it was kind of made into a BMX, so it had yep. like a, a normal seat, didn't have a banana seat, it had a normal seat. Anyway, he's fully leaned back, like giving it the bickies on the pedal to throw this bike back to do a, like do a, a wheelie up the road. But as he's done it, he's given it that much force. The front wheel's flowing off like a fucking Frisbee. And you can just imagine when you've got a bike and now you just, all that's left is the forks. It's really light, and he's put heaps of grunge into it. He's pulled it up, and as he's done that, the wheel's fallen off, and, of course, the bike suddenly got really light. He's fallen back, but he's fallen back onto his right side. He broke his right arm and his right wrist in one go as he's come crashing down with his school bag. And I'm just like, oh, man, you know, like, it was pretty bad. And I, 
was shitting myself for like two weeks after that. Like, I never got in trouble for it. No one ever knew about it. I never told anybody about it until now. This guy broke his right arm and his right wrist. And he was right-handed. And it, it just... It just fucked him for months, like with casts, and he had to get it rebroken because it wasn't healing properly and all this sort of stuff. So as much as I wanted to get revenge on someone bullying me, it was pretty bad, like, at the end of it. And I guess if I could go back to 1983, I probably would go back and maybe not touch his bike. Actually, you know what? Fuck him. He was a cunt. I would go back and do that. Sorry, just scrap that one. I wouldn't change a thing. Sorry, mate. Yep, go. No, fuck it. I haven't got anything else. That's all I've got. What do you got fiction fraction-wise, sir? What do I want to say? If that little bitch has got any problem and he's still bit sour about it, fuck you, we're waiting. A couple of comments I got on that is, you're sweet tooth. Thank fuck you've never tried cocaine because we'd be dealing with, like, Pablo Escobar's fucking uncle, if ever you did, with all the, uh, the chocolate <laughs> and ice cream. But um, it's funny that you mentioned about, you know, your, your early days being, you know, mechanically inclined and stuff. Every day I fight that good fight. I'm not naturally a mechanic. I'm like, must be the only fucking bulldozer mechanic who's trying to do night shift to pay his way through poetry school. <laughs> but, um, you don't need I, school, I, mate. You're a natural. That's all that is. I won the poetry contest once, but that's a whole other fucking... That was the week that I... Yeah. Uh, vice versa for me is quite easy. You know what a triple Z Gemini is, don't you? Yeah, sure do. Yeah, Taco Dash. Yeah, thanks the, for coming. The little flares on, oh, man. How? Yeah, that little thing. So, so if I could say, if you could say to me, Redmond, here's your Powerball. Here's uh, Doctor Emmett Brown. Go back to '83 and bring something back. I'm going to get myself a fucking triple Z Gemini, man. I'm going to get it, and I'm going to drop it at Damien Lowe's. I'm going to drop it at Low Fabrication. Say, so, guys, can you put the uh, well, 82 or 84 model 305 EFI Corvette motor in for me, please. Ah, TBI. I can see you driving that around. Oh, man, yeah. that would be cool. If I could take something back to, to 1983, I'd, I'd grab hold of CRS's uh, Blow and Tirana. You know their uh, LJ Tirana? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to take it back to 83 and go to, to, to Paradise. You know, the guys at Street Machine back there and go, have a fucking look at this, mate. Have a – no, it'll just blow their minds. I'll go, no, 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 no. That's for – 2098 and it's from fucking mars okay it's not mate it's actually what we group are doing in uh in 2018 in street machines they have to blow their fucking mind it actually would you know hey and just on that gemini too right what's the difference between a triple z and a country dealer team is it a suspension height or what was i, I can just picture both cars but to me they kind of look the same the body, do you know anything they, what the difference is they didn't have the flares on the hdt did they Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, great story. Uh, John Harvey tells on HDT video that um, every car that left HDT, Pete had to take him for a test drive or whatever. So John Harvey and Phil, is it Phil Brock, his brother? They'd take, yeah, yep. They'd take the cars around the block and the flares wouldn't scrape, whatever. There'd be no problem. They'd say, look, Pete, this thing's ready for delivery. You go, Pete would bring the bloody thing back and have the flares hanging off at the fucking front bumper. Uh... He, he was just giving him that much of a hard time. But the other thing from 1983... I've got it here. I, I could reach over right now if I'm sitting and I could touch it, my, my push bike. I've got it right here. Oh, thank God your push bike you're talking about. Yeah. I'm a bonger. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my push bike. There's nothing better than when you're like a 10 year old because you're an infant. My, I love my BMX, but there's nothing better than your first push bike. And I'm so lucky amongst all the shit that I've fucked up and set fire to in my life. I've still got in my lounge room right here my very first push bike I ever got home and I fucking love it there's nothing better than the feeling of pedalling that bike and having your first push bike and it's right here so I'm going to pick that but it's I've got it here freedom. already freedom yeah mate it's that freedom and on that like I got rid of my I like my first BMX anyway was a Madison Taipan Phase 2 
which I ended up selling probably, oh man, it was about 16 or 17, so I was building my Mini and I needed, you know, money to sort of build the car. And I've actually bought another frame, so I'm going to build a replica of that. But that's super cool that you've actually got the genuine original bike from then. It's a cool-looking thing, too. I've seen it in the flesh. So make sure you post a photo of that thing for, for people who are listening. But that's, that's that's definitely cool. And, you know, I guess there's a lot of stuff that inspires us when you're a kid. And thinking of some of the cars from 983 from Street Machine Magazine, there's a couple in particular that really f- sort of, I guess, float my boat. Have you got any cars from 83 you want to talk about? Uh, no, you lead on with this and I'll, I'll, I'll pick it up, mate. Nothing, nothing. No, you go. Okay, you'll know these cars anyway, so just jump in wherever you want. I, I guess first and foremost... Um, Gavin Poolish, he built a black HD sedan with a chopped roof. It actually featured on the cover of, I think, Street Machine, maybe December 83, January 84, something like that. Anyway, it was a it was a black sedan. He was only like 16 or 17 when he started building this thing, and it's a super it's a super cool car. And Gavin, this, to these days, he actually still builds hot rods. He's got a pr- couple of pretty cool hot rods. But this thing, he built as a teenager, so it was inspirational because he wasn't much older than we were at the time. But it was a black HD sedan, chopped. It had HR guards on the front with an HD grill and HD front pan. Ran a hot six-cylinder motor, had dragway indies on it and all the rest of it. But he sold it a few years later, but that car actually resurfaced. The guy who actually bought it off him still owns it. And it was in Street Machine a few issues ago. Um, and it's kind of in a pretty pretty bad state of repair at the moment but it's going to be rebuilt to how it was which is i can't wait to see that car it's one of those things where if you see the car i just anytime i see pictures of it posted i save the photos because i really enjoyed that and was really inspirational at that age and also with 1983 it was the first year that street machine magazine featured a valiant on the front cover there was a red vh coupe that ran a 340 and it was the first time i ever saw direct connection which is the, I guess it's like the Mopar Performance before they actually were called that. Direct Connection was the Chrysler Hot Parts branch of Chrysler Corporation and it had Direct Connection sticker on the back. I was like, wow, what's that? You know, it's so cool. But um, there's a lot of years between there being a second Valiant on the front cover of Street Machine Magazine. I think it was an AP6 Ute, like a blown AP6 Valiant Ute featured. But that was like well into the 90s. It was at least probably 10 or 15 years after that that red vh was um was featured on the cover but um you know i I guess going on from that next episode i want to talk to you a fair bit about 1983 van of the year which is probably a really you know inspirational well-remembered car for everyone and that was actually john strawn's alley cat holden panel van which ran a jag v12 motor but i want to dedicate a fair bit of time to that so i think i'll try and like smash it into episode 17 yeah so i'll get on with that so if that's not a car you're familiar with maybe just hit google and just look up alley cat van and you'll know it straight off as soon as you see the the pictures so you know yourself or anyone out there wants to get familiar with it before we chat about there's just so much to talk about with that van for sure well with that 1983 i'm just hoping we're not going to probably do 1984 anytime soon so can i tell you about um my own car my own uh, yeah which Go for it, mate. It's actually a uh, February 1984 model, so I'm going to call it the 14th month of 1983. Works for me. Go for it. I always say that you should contribute to your magazine. You should, you know, doesn't matter if it's a photo, if it's a yarn, if it's a fucking subscription, whatever magazine you like, please get out there and support it because it's going to keep it. They're going to go online. It's going to happen. But if we can just fight it, what will happen? 
is the magazines that stay in hard copy will become more boutique. So actually, yeah. in one way, it'll be kind of a little bit better. Any magazines that can withhold it will become more of a legacy. So I guess it's, it's double Dutch I'm talking there. But yeah, um, what happened is a few years ago, I was lucky enough to be included in a group email, and it was Simon Telford and a few of the writers from Street Machine. Uh, you know, yes. About, yep. You were in on the same email and said, hey, Hot Rod Magazine in the USA just uh, just done a thing on a $10,000 streetcar. Can you do it in yeah. Can you do it in Australia? And it, I remember that, actually. I remember it for sure. As it happened, I had just finished my VK. So I bought my VK Lio 5 as a $7,000 roller, and I had the motor here. So we, uh, luckily, my brother and, and, and Nigel, two of my favorite people in the world, Ball 304, they put the motor in it for me. We got it all running for his wedding. So for under $10,000, I was lucky enough to get my car finished. So Simon sent an email saying, can you build a $10,000 street car? I'm like, oh, I've just done it. Here's all the details. From that, he put a feature into Street Machine Magazine. So my car, under $10,000, my car managed to get featured in Street Machine. So one way of editorialising that is, well, you know, I've, got my, I've had a feature car. Mate, that's it. You know? Hey, it's marked its place in yeah. time, no question. I hope that doesn't sound narcissistic, and that is not the point of what I'm saying. What the point I'm saying is just get out there and, and contribute to your magazine and stuff. And, and if you're lucky enough, you'll, you'll get, you'll, you know, there's nothing better for me. One thing that Instagram's done for me, it's, it's a catch-22. I'm honestly prolific. I used to send stuff to Simon Telford every, like four times a week, 250, 500-word articles and stuff that are just garbage that I've written. And every now and then I get the magazine and he put my shit in there. Yeah, you know, so but it's a good feeling, isn't it, when that happens? And there is nothing better than when you get the magazine, you're open up and there's something in there that you've done that you've contributed. So people say, oh, yeah, it's a $400,000 fucking build or the guy's a meth dealer or it's a fucking 11,000 RPM fucking burnout car. Fuck that. If you want to... If you think about it and you get a niche market, you will get it in there. I've done it for under ten grand. There must be no other ten thousand dollar car that's not a reader's ride that's in there. Sorry if that sounds a bit fucking shitty. No, not really. I, I just think that's that's kind of the thing. Like people draw inspirations from a lot of different areas, and I, I guess for me personally, that's where like the alley cat panel van of John Strawns is a big thing, and that's kind of why I'm keen to dedicate a bit of time to that. But I, I think you can achieve a lot by putting in. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be spent 20 grand on paint and panel for a car to enjoy. I mean, look, the majority of my cars, they're 10-foot cars. But the thing is, too, when it's cruising up the road, it looks pretty good as far as I'm concerned. If I pass a, a car that's, you know, up close, it might be a bit rough and ready. But from 10 feet, if it looks cool, who cares? I'd rather any day of the week be out enjoying my car and driving it than having it sit in the shed because I'm too friggin' scared to drive it in case someone scratches it. Now, my red panel van's a little bit that way. It's the first and only car I've ever had painted professionally, and even then it was a mate of mine who painted it just because, you know, people are morons and they can't drive and park around cars. And Christ, you can put two Toyota Echoes next to each other and some car will hit the other person in it anyway. Like, those things are tiny. So, yeah, but I don't really have that paranoia with the other cars because I've already got the scratch dent sale going on as it is. It's, but not, it's not the car it, that makes you a street machine, or it's you that makes the car a street machine. And your passion for whatever it might be, for sure. And speaking of passion, mate, movies. Now, I'm just going to read out a list of movies just to kind of, I guess, cement the deal on how awesome 983 was for movies. And also what I want to cover off on episode 17 is to talk about two movies in... Uh, particular but just let me ramble off these movies and just sort of whet your appetite in the meantime so this is these were movies 
all released in 1983. This is just a short collection of what was out there. So this is to show how awesome it was. Scarface, Return of the Jedi, The Twilight Zone, Flashdance, The Outsiders, Risky Business, National Lampoon's Vacation. <laughs> I love those movies. Um, Christine, as in John Carpenter's Christine, with a badass Plymouth Fury that kills everyone. Oh, the scenes of that thing driving on fire, just, yeah, that's awesome. And I'll tell you what, that movie Christine's got some fantastic one-liners in it as well, if you haven't seen it. And, of course, DC Cab, which featured Mr. T. What I really want to home in on for next episode is two Australian movies, namely Midnight Spares and BMX Bandits. So if you get the chance, Red, they're on YouTube. Dig them up. Have a good watch. And just so that way you'll have your full-on 1983 movie stuff happening for next episode. How good is Slashdance, that Porsche in it right at the end? See that Porsche when she's... Oh, I haven't seen it for years, mate. I'll, I'll have to go on YouTube on, that part. I'll be on the film clip as well, but there's a Porsche. And I fucking love Porsche. I love all cars, man. I fucking wish it was Speak of Porsches, do you remember that movie that was around? It probably was around this time, maybe a couple of years newer, was oh, Tom Hanks, one of his first movies, Bachelor Party. And the chick he's going to marry is being kind of chased by this bloke who's a bit of a knob, and he's got a black Porsche. It's the movie where they cut the floor pan out of a Dodge Charger and it falls off the hoist next to his mate, or a 69, I think it's like a 69 Charger. Anyway, so his mates like are into cars and all the rest of it. They steal this guy's black Porsche, and they paint flames on it and put big mags and side pipes. It's so cool. That's the best way to have a Porsche. But I'll dig up a photo of that too for you. It was really cool. You can get a 924 or a 928 Porsche relatively cheap these days. I mean, it's going to be the same price as a XRA GTF, you know. So the only difference yeah. is the Porsche is going to get you a blue job, where there's the FTV won't. <laughs> Well, that's one way of looking. I guess if you're ever selling one, you could always put that in the advertisement anyway. It's like, you know, a positive. I'd love love to put, you know, if you've ever considered, you know, dating a secretary or whatever, maybe this Porsche's for you. You know, it's the same price as a Falcon. But, you know, you're going to have to edit that, mate. Sorry. (laughs) That's all right. Hey, on that note, mate, that wraps us up for episode 16. So make sure your homework before episode 17. Watch BMX Bandits, watch Midnight Spares, and we'll be reviewing the October 2018 issue of Street Machine then as well. So, mate, got to thank you for joining me today, and I'll thank myself for joining you, if that makes any sense. But um, a normal thanks, St. Lucy and Queen Deborah, and also Simon Telford at Street Machine Magazine. So um, we appreciate your guys' help and input with what we do. And again, thank you to everyone who follows us on Instagram and contributes to what we do. And of course, if you want to contact us, email us at thongslappers at optusnet.com.au. Good thing about that, we won't miss you. If you put, if you send us an email, we're going to get it. If you tag us in a feed on Instagram, there's a good chance it, it might sort of slip down the slip down the line. So email us there or follow us on Instagram at the thongslappers and be sure to keep your, your old school photos coming. We love them and we love sharing them and people get a big kick out of them as well. So Redmond, I'm hanging to chat to you in episode 17. I look forward to it. One thing that we're doing in episode 17 that we spoke about, uh, we're announcing the details of our new contest. Oh, yeah. And you know what the cool part is? We've got some special guest judges on board for that as well. So I think it's going to be something that's going to be very close to a lot of people's hearts. So, yeah, that's a good call, mate. Look forward to yeah. telling everyone really about looking, that. Really looking forward to it. And thanks very much for this episode. And sorry for your edit button. Hey, that's okay. And uh, I guess just to let people know, when you're here on the, on the podcast, like, 
at the moment here in Brisbane today, it is so windy and it's actually pretty cool. The wind really is not cool as in awesome, cool as in cold. The wind plays a bit of havoc with our uh, reception. So if you're hearing Redmond and he starts talking really slow, it's not that he's been smashing heaps of cones or doing anything stupid from the years. It's just the reception of the internet slows down our recording methods a bit. So, um, you know... It'll be right, but just I just didn't want anyone to get the wrong idea about you, mate. You know, I've got, I'm, I'm looking out for you. Sometimes if the podcast sounds a little bit dodgy or it's released a day later, a day early, um, we do apologise for that. It's because that we've got normal jobs. If, if you're a little bit sour about that and you'd like to sponsor us, send 200k to the Thong Slappers. We'll release one of these bitches a fortnight. Yeah, sounds good to me. I'll be up for that for sure. So... I hope there's someone. I hope someone won that hundred million dollar Powerball jackpot and is looking for some way to blow some of that money. Do you know how? Send it our way. We'll be there for sure. Do you know how fucking the thing with the uh, Powerball? It's the original fiction. It is. It's the original fiction. Yeah. If you're working class, whatever, and you know, take it back to the days of you know the kings and queens or whatever. The one thing that they ever, you know, the stable hand or whatever, or the barmaid, they wanted to suddenly find out, oh, you're actually an illegitimate child of the king. So here you go, you're off. You can come and live in the castle. That's the fiction that Powerball gives you. You walk, (laughs) it is, and you buy the ticket and you go, all of a sudden I'm a fucking king. I can go over to Monaco and see the Grand Prix and I can fucking bang supermodels on the beach at fucking the Caribbean or whatever. It's the original fiction cannot be ever underestimated, eh? That's exactly right. I couldn't agree with you more. On that note, mate. I'll chat you next episode, so have fun. You sure? <laughs> <laughs> if we had 15, 16 minutes, I'd say hello to every one of our 2,500 followers. That's right. Join us on Instagram. I'll chat you later, mate. See ya. See ya, buddy.